If I had an hour to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes thinking about that problem and five minutes thinking about the solution. Albert Einstein. This is Security Today. Welcome to Security Today. I am the security industry's most diagnostic bear. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Derpet it as you will, but that's B-A-E-R. So follow me right now on Instagram and Twitter at Security Bear, B-A-E-R, and this podcast on Instagram at Security Today Podcast. Share this podcast on your Instagram, and there's a chance to win $1 million. I mean, not from me. I don't have a mille. Yet, there's always a chance that you could actually win a million dollars some way, somehow. So, I hope you all are doing well. Um, listen, it's been just a hot minute. Okay, so I moved halfway across the country, but that um, is can only be an excuse for so many episodes. I think this might be the last one, but I'm going to use it. And I went to ESX, which was amazing, which I still have to do a full recap and breakdown, which I will. Hopefully, that will be dropping this week, but I'm just not in totally... I'm not just, I'm not just not totally sure yet, so... Listen, that's uh, that. That's all I can do. I'm doing my best here, okay? Humble beginnings, right? <laughs> I'm podcasting out of a spare room in my mom's house. That's not a joke, and I don't find shame in it because, you know what? My mom's awesome. So, anyways, um, hey, last week, well, a couple weeks ago, last podcast you listened to was about diagnostics, and we are back to hammer out some more diagnostics. That's right. We talked about how to problem solve. I hope you're using that. I hope you're asking questions. I hope you're doing everything that that podcast taught you to do. And this one, we're going to go over some more diagnostics when it comes to troubleshooting. So we'll get started with this week. That's right. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about. The first thing that we're going to bring up this week is I deter uh, without the first E uh, because it stands for immediate deterrence. (laughs) I don't know why you would get rid of that E, but it is in fact one of the MVP winners of 2022 for Security Sales and Integration Magazine. Uh, anyways, we'll talk about that. Next, uh, I'm going to brief you on Hike, taking another kick in the nards, which <laughs> any day Hike Vision to, uh, or Univio gets kicked in the nuts is a good day. Also, I can't really mention them anymore on this podcast without adding fuck hike. All right. (laughs) There's that. And we're going to get into the meat of it. That's right. Diagnostics, which is opens, shorts, and grounds. We're now going to get into some of the techie talk on how to problem solve and play out diagnoses. So pay attention, Joe. This one's for you. I just like to believe that there's a Joe out there listening and he (laughs) dropped his coffee and looked at his radio really quick. Anyways, let's chit chat. Finally, someone stepped up and went toe to toe with the red dragon, the communist lying sack of shit known as Hike Vision has controlled the low-cost market of the IP video cameras for a hot minute until now. Large non-PRC ma- uh, manufacturers, including Hanwha, who's out of Korea, and um, purposely avoiding they purposely avoided competing with Dahu and Hike Vision in their core stronghold of low-cost commercial cameras, but it's been the running excuse to old Uncle Bear's Instagram DMs for something close to five years that the cost just can't be shook by the smaller low-volt out. Alf- 
outfits. Well, if they don't bid that low dollar amount, then they can't compete with the large companies that are coming in and peddling the hike. And that point has a point, and I understand where they're coming from. Ultimately, my advice has always been to drop Hiker Dahua for their knowing atrocities that they have helped commit in the Xinjiang province uh, against the Uyghur people. But I did see their point. Well, guess what? Massive low-volt companies who steal jobs from smaller guys because you peddle a genocidally involved company for your go-to-market security strategy. <laughs> well, Hanwha just shat all over that parade, didn't it? Hanwha involved... Uh, company, oh, I'm sorry, Hanwha is launching its long lowest cost A-series, which the company confirms is targeted to compete against PRC manufacturers, including Dahu and Hikvision for cost-conscious dealers. Most non-PRC manufacturers, actual ones like Avigilon, Axis, Bosch, Hanwha, etc., not Western relabelers like ProVision IR, or Spico, or TVT, avoid what is commonly called by executives as the run-rate business, and and seen on the shelves of local distributors, very low-cost cameras and recorders are typically small. Uh, that typically, the typically smaller dealers were going and buy the same day for local small jobs. Well now has something to compete against it. This is good news, especially in the U.S. low-volt companies that provide low-cost security to clients across the nation. Well, guess what? The gap is being filled. Enter Hanwha. Hanwha uh, uh, says that camera MSRP pricing will be in the range of 190 to 270 U.S. dollars for dealer pricing, putting, oh, I'm sorry, that's MSRP, putting dealer pricing at $90 to $150 range, competing with the Hike Vision Value Series and the Daua Light Series. However, both Hike Vision and Daua offer low-cost models as well, uh, like Hike Vision Value Express, with street prices well under $100 for four megapixels outdoor fixed focal cameras. But Hanwha is trying to put a chink in the old armor, and they're doing a great job. So finally, I can say, <laughs> stop putting in hike, and uh, for the love of God, please put in Hanwha. That's a much better uh, decision. So let's go on to our product highlight. That's right, I deter. That's lowercase i, capital D, T-E-E-R, which stands for Intelligent and Immediate Deterrence of Crime and is an automated and complete security package proven to foil 98% of intrusions without the delays of human intervention. The company reported that. <laughs> I now see how that sounds. The iDeter solution is ready for easy deployment and RMR generation at commercial facilities. It can be used as a standalone security system or to augment guard services with integrated technology at the protected premises. Imagine a ha like half of a mixing bowl attached to the wall with lights, camera, and speaker. That's an eye deter product. And they're fully NDAA compliant, ETL listed, FCC certified, and they carry an IP65 environmental rating. I mean, how can they get any better? They call it the Neo Node. That's N-I-O with a line above it, like an umlaut. Are, they're positioned around the protected premises to detect intrusion with a 4K camera with wide-angle lens, multiple motion detectors, omnidirectional microphone, and quad-core intelligence. We're going to dedicate an episode to this product and other products like it um, moving forward with live guard and uh, live video monitoring type of capabilities. This is definitely something to go look at because I think that if you are in security at all, even if it's your side hustle on the weekends you're doing it or something like that, or you work for 
a big company and they put in security. This is a product that you can carry. It's called iDeter and it's pretty much taking the place of, we all know the commercial type of warehouse district um, buildings that have that like half dome uh, electrical light on it. You can just take that out and put this one in and now it comes with a camera, a siren, um, lights to say, hey, get off the property, we see you. So if you got people crossing through your warehouse district on bicycle or lingering or going through the trash or you know breaking in or scoping the place out, they will now be alerted that the place is secure. And that, my friends, is called deterrence. Let's get to the meat. Our bud, Albert, he's got another quote. He said, we cannot solve our problems with the same level of thinking that created them. <laughs> that guy was a genius. Um, listen, with that, I'm going to go over some opens, grounds, and shorts, okay? So diagnosing a problem is often a large endeavor because sometimes the problem is buried deep and it'll take getting some trouble points out of the way to find out what the problem truly is, which we talked about last episode that the problems can evolve into more problems, but as long as we continue to have solid problem-solving skills and we know how to diagnose specific things to our industry and our panel, then we will succeed. <laughs> With that, there are some easy things to get out of the way first. Oftentimes, people just think it must be the device. We'll just replace it, which isn't a horrible direction to start in, but it is horrible habit to get in because it is easy to show up and something's not working, so you just replace it. But you'll get caught in that. You'll get caught in that noose pretty quick when that device wasn't the problem. If the device isn't working, make Make sure it's getting power. The old tried and true adage of, is it plugged in, ma'am? You know, that when, when you call anybody who's in IT and your computer's having problems, have you restarted it? Is it plugged in? Well, it's unfortunate how many times that question actually works. If it doesn't have power, then get the device on a separate power source that you know is working, and this will often narrow down if it's a wiring issue or if it's the device issue. You can also quickly check IPs. You can see if you can ping the device. Make sure that there is power on the output at the panel. Verif verify serials, Macs, card numbers in programming, those sorts of things. A whole plethora of first steps that are soft and not really time consuming. If those aren't shaking the problem out, the tree, then you can move to, well, tier two, if you will. This can go in a couple different directions depending on what the device is, what the problem is, or if the problem is even consistent or not. That's why last week we talked about the first principle in problem solving. Everybody? understanding the problem. Those first steps I mentioned above are kind of feeling out the problem to get a better understanding because we can't solve the problem with the same level of thinking that created it. <laughs> and this, pre this panel, let's be honest, this panel is something that you put in, isn't it? <laughs> You're back. <laughs> <laughs> Those first steps I mentioned above are feeling out the problem, but I want to address a specific route of diagnosis when dealing in physical security systems, IDSs, VMSs, uh, PACSs, that's physical access control systems, and more. And that is, that is diagnosing the wiring. I can say in hundreds of not working alarm and access panels I've stood in front of that the problem often would shake out to the wiring. It wasn't common, but it did happen, and when it did, if you didn't have a few basics, your five minutes, well, turned into five hours. So, let me run through a couple of these. Uh, 
That way you won't be in the dark next time you're standing in front of that panel that's not working. So some of this might be elementary to you, but that's a good approach if from this angle so that those who don't know this information can grasp it through a podcast format. And for those who know a little but need more can fill in the dark spots of their understanding and grasp it as well. And if you know a ton of information, well, it's just a good recap to be like, oh yeah, I do try that. Uh-huh, I try that. Oh, well, why am I even listening to this podcast? No, it's freaking amazing. That's why, hey, uh, a circuit is, let, let, let me just jump back in here. A circuit is a complete path in which electrons flow from a power source through switches and control devices, ending and returning after powering the load or the device that provides resistance on the circuit. Think of the simplest circuit like this. A power source, like a battery, has a 16-2 wire, that's 16 gauge and two wires, usually red and black, running between the battery and a light bulb. The electricity starts from the battery and flows on the red wire through the light bulb, some people think it's the black wire, don't talk about it, lighting it up and then returns on the black wire back to the battery. This completes the path. The light bulb is our load, because that is what is going to be putting resistance on our circuit. Think of resistance as the measurement of how easy it is to shoot electricity through the circuit. Is it really hard? So much so that the electricity might not even complete the path and light the light bulb? Or is it too easy that it's going to damage the device on the other end of how high the current or flow of electricity is? Now, in your mind, in your mind, don't shut your eyes, you're probably driving. In your mind, imagine that the red wire is going to go through the light switch and give us some control over the flow of that circuit. Meaning, if we turn the light switch off, the electricity can't get there to the light bulb. And if we turn it on, then the electricity can get there and it turns the light bulb on. Also in your mind, add a fuse on the, back, on the black wire right next to the power source. That will come in handy later. With all of that in mind, we are now going to talk about an open circuit first. Listen. An open circuit simply means that the loop from the battery to the light bulb and back is broke open. If you're pulling a wire and it nicks a corner or cuts the red wire in half, that's, that's an open. Your switch that we put in simply controlling the open, or I'm sorry, the switch that we put in is simply controlling an open when it's switched off by breaking open the circuit. Then when you close that circuit, the electricity flows. So sometimes on a panel, when we're detailing wires, they uh, they can get scored from the stripping, they can get nicked or bent or moved around on the actual panel in the termination, and they can break and leave your black wire hanging there in the panel, of the device, and then the device isn't working. Well, that is an open. When it's right up there next to the terminal, I call it the Hanging Chad. That's a 2000s reference for you young guns listening. Uh, it can't, it can be different, it can't, be difficult to find, I'm sorry, it can. It can be difficult to find opens and shorts and grounds because half the time they're out there in the wild somewhere in your wire run in your gnats, your uh, rat's nest and so it can be difficult to do. But to troubleshoot an open, there's a couple st steps you can take. If your red and your black wires are landing on all your devices, like in a fire alarm, then sometimes you can narrow the short or the open down by knocking that dev device six in the circuit. Uh, I'm sorry, by knowing that device six in the circuit still works, but seven through 10 are all dead. Well, that means that somewhere between six and seven, you might have a problem. If you know how your devices are landed in the circuit, then sometimes you can meter at each device and narrow it down where 
your wire might be cut. It's the same kind of principle. One surefire way to find an open between your battery and our light bulb, quote unquote, is by taking the wires off your power source at the can or at the panel and wire nutting them together. Then go out to your light bulb and we measure continuity on your meter. That's the, that's the one that makes it ding when you put the two posts together between the red and the black wire. Continuity is a setting on most meters that kind of look, it kind of has that symbol of the speaker sound icon. And when there is continuity, the meter will beep a constant tone. Continuity is just the meter sending a little tiny bit of voltage down the line and seeing if it returns. So if we tie the two wires together at one end, because it's all the way across the building, and then we test continuity between those two wires at the device, well, if there's no tone, that means that somewhere in the line, one of those wires is cut or broke open. And we go from there depending on your uh, standard operating procedure. If you do get the tone, however, well, that means that there is continuity. So you got to move on to some maybe more expert level type of diagnosis. Let's move on to the short. A short is different from an open, and it seems to be the word that a lot of DIYers or untrained folk go to when describing an electrical system isn't working. It's the old, well, maybe it's a short. Yeah, it's a short. I think it's shorted. Okay, Handy Dan, slow down there. A short is unique in that it means the electricity has found a shorter path back to the source. So, Shorts can be common, especially in wire runs where someone wasn't being very delicate because more often than not, if the wire is getting cut on a corner or a sharp piece of metal when it's coming into a can without bushings, <laughs> people are going to get a kick out of me saying that, um, then it's stripping somewhere on the jacket uh, away on both wires and they end up touching bare copper to each other, right? And the electricity now has found a shorter path back to the battery. It didn't even make it to the light bulb. So... Electrical shorts are a more dangerous system error because the shorter path means that there's less resistance and due to a law by George Ohm, that means that the amperage goes up, causing the electricity to go faster and that can heat the wires even to flammable temperatures. This is why earlier in the podcast we stuck a fuse by the power source. Remember that guy? Just just saved your ass. So that if it sees too many amps coming back because of the short, well, it will blow or it will trip and it will stop the flow of electricity. Another place that I have personally seen shorts is right there at the termination uh, on the panel or right there at the termination on the device. It happens with stranded wires usually where the terminal screws or slots are close together and a strand or two gets mashed and touches and reaches over and gets all feely and handsy, right? Other short problems can be rodents chewing on the wire, a staple from the sheetrock, uh, uh, you know, and uh, screws puncturing the wire from your sheetrock guys because they do not care about us low volt or electrical folk. Finding a short is easy though. It takes an ohm reading. At the panel and the device, disconnect both wires. Then, sure, that then make sure that they are not touching each other at either end and at one of the ends with your multimeter set uh, to ohms, touch both posts to each wire. So touch one post to one wire and one post to the other. If you get anything over 0 0.4 or 0.5 resistance, well, then your wires are touching something else and they're shorted. Ideally, 
you're looking for no resistance at all, but sometimes in longer runs, if you're getting 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.4, well, that's okay. Then the wire isn't necessarily shorted. If it's above one, then you can call that short, you can call that a short for sure and follow your standard operating procedures. Now, finally, let's get to the grounds. Technically, what we just talked about was a short to power, and that is different from a short to ground. It is checked the same way though by reading ohms on the multimeter. The difference lies in that two copper wires aren't touching to create a shorter path, but instead one copper wire is touching a grounded object like a metal security can or any sort of metal or earth out in the wire out in the wire run. And with the panel grounded, the electricity finds its way back to a source through the ground and thus causes a short to ground or just a ground. The only way to determine if it's a short to ground or if it's a short to power is to, well, find the short and see what it's touching. It's hard to tell. Now, the final electrical error that I want to talk about is a near-end crosstalk. Now, this is kind of moving to uh, all my MSPs just pump their fists like, I listen to this guy every week because I want to support him, but he never talks about my shit. Well, guess what? This is definitely an error that you're going to find in more and more data runs and networking now that security and the, uh, the two are continuing to merge closer and closer every single day. So it's really worth the mention. This is also a rare error that will appear in security uh, in weird, erratic, and sometimes perplexing, perplexing symptoms. So if you're walking through your problem-solving skills and you're getting really erratic behavior, um, that this device is working and then sometimes it's not, and then when it does work, that device doesn't, and all sorts of things, um, well, that could be near-end crosstalk. Now, when a current flows through a wire, an electromagnetic field is created around it, uh, like in Stranger Things, when he has his compass, right? Okay, each pair is twisted because this allows opposing fields to cancel each other out. That's why the tighter the twist, the more effective the cancellation, and the higher the data rate supported by the cable. Maintaining the twist ratio is the single most important factor for your successful installation. If wires are not tightly twisted, if you don't get them in the RJ45 connector right up to the butt of it, or you don't get it you know, right really close tight, and you have that typical handy Dan where the wires are all strung out and they're straight next to each other. Well, that can result in what's called near-end crosstalk or next. Most of us have experienced a telephone call where we could hear another conversation faintly in the background if you're anywhere, um, if you were born anywhere before 2000 or 1999. Well, that's called crosstalk. In fact, the name crosstalk derives from telephony applications where talk came across the line. In lands, uh, local area networks. Next occurs when a strong signal on a pair of wires is picked up from the adjacent pair of wires. Next is the portion of the transmitted signal that is electromagnetically coupled back into the received signal. In many cases, excessive crosstalk is due to poorly twisted terminations, like I've mentioned, at connection points. This is why when you see all green lights, hashtag, or at all green lights, go follow them right now, not untwisting the wires before he punches it into the keystone into his <laughs> at vertical cable crimples crimpers crimples crimpers hashtag ninja plug it is just because he looks freaking it isn't just because he looks freaking cool doing it it's because well per ANSI TIA 568 c.0 your termination should twist right to the punch now 
If you think you're experiencing crosstalk, then you can use uh, similar to a Fluke DSX cable analyzer, something in those lines. Uh, if you are experiencing it, go look that up. And uh, it can tell you if at either end of your termination you're picking up that crosstalk. Now, on all of that, my friends, I leave you with the two meters that I use in the field. Because how are you going to know how to do all this diagnosis if you don't know which tool to get? I'll tell you, there's a lot of, of course, there's a lot of debate out there and a lot of guys who say, well, you should use this or you should use that. You can use whatever you want as long as the meter works. But in the field, I use the Fluke 117 and the Fluke 323, which I noticed they actually have a combo package on their website for these two together, which where was I when that was happening? Also, a voltage meter pin like a Fluke 1AC2. Uh, these are tools that you can use every day as a service tech and every other job as an install tech. You should invest in them because I know Fluke can be expensive, but um, you need to invest in your tools because these are the things that are going to be paying you in the future. Now, your continuity setting might not be sending enough voltage down the line if you have a cheap meter, and that can give you a false negative, which can mean hours of work when it could have been five minutes. I'm telling you, invest in your tools is investing in yourself. And you better write that shit down, boy. <laughs> you gang gang now, rolling in the deep, Adele, because you got the tools to do it. Listen, I want you to be the better tech. This is why I put this stuff out. Okay, this is why I do podcasts like this because I want you to be the better tech tomorrow. So as you're listening to this, now you know. Now you can sound smart and be better. And that's what I'm here for, baby, to make you look good. <laughs> Your old Uncle Bear make you look good. That's right. I want to thank you so much for listening. I really hope these last two podcasts do help, okay? So go back and listen to get those problem-solving skills down. And if this is new stuff to you or if it's a refresh or if it's just a resource that you get out there in the field and you're like, how do I find a short again? Oh, yeah, baby. Uncle Bear already helped me out on that one. I'll go check him out right now on Security Today Podcast. Listen, I really hope that they do help. And I know that the main subject has been more skill-oriented lately and less uh, security industry topic. But I have a name with this podcast, and I'm trying to meet it by mixing in podcasts such as this one. I don't want to just give you the new thing that's cutting edge. I want you to know how to use it, baby. That's right, and I'm trying to meld that high security world of the white collars and the desk sitters with you hard-working, blue-collar, dirty hands, clean money, low-voltage technicians. That's what I'm trying to do here. So I really appreciate the follow. I really appreciate the DMs. I appreciate when you reach out. It really does mean a lot to me. That's why I'm back here doing this. I'm not letting it die. You know what I'm saying? Even if I have to move halfway across the country tomorrow, which I will not be. So you can expect another podcast next week, possibly. Let's be just to say that. But that's it for security today. So remember to, oh my goodness gracious, I just forgot. I ran right over my follow and shout out. What am I doing? Okay, listen, I'm not gonna leave, I'm not gonna leave the shout out for just the end of the uh, end of the episode, right? No, 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 no. We'll bring a shout out back next week because I don't want to do someone dirty like that. But Thank you for listening, and I will catch you guys next week. Follow follow me at Security B-A-E-R on Instagram, and follow this podcast on Instagram at Security Today Podcast. After you've done all of that, well, you know, 
the interactions is where it's at. So get out there, follow at Tech Knowledge Worldwide. That's at T-E-K-N-O-W-L-E-D-G-E-W-W. I hope I got that right. And follow SprinterData.com because that's who I work for. And <laughs> we the best, baby. Check it out. I will see you guys next week, security fam. Au revoir. <laughs>